Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I am your host, Brad Betke. We will be going over the NFL recap preview, college football recap preview. World Series is completed. We're doing a discussion on Kyrie Irving and that and this week's fast break. So, you know what the deal is. Whether you got your headphones on, whether you're on the way to work, on the way home from work, regardless, there's a volume button or knob somewhere. Turn it up. Sit back, relax. Episode 50 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Took my baby to the highest highs. Took my shawty, it's gonna be a lonely ride. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for the 50th episode of the Box Score Sports Podcast. We're halfway to 100. Listen, I'm a realist, man. And for those of you that do listen, I I genuinely appreciate it because we're 50 episodes in and we haven't really made any significant growth. If anything, we've regressed. Um, When this first podcast first came out, I think between Alex's uh, friends and family and my friends and family, we were bringing in you know, pretty hefty number of streams. And I would say up to this point, I mean, we have a pretty good number of uh, streams on those episodes, but... As time's gone by with the with these ones I've been doing weekly, you know, it's it's hard to really keep going because I'm there's small stream numbers. You know, I'm under ten. And that's it's hard to motivate yourself to keep going when that's what's going on. So uh just as a you know, a fiftieth episode kind of thing, I just wanted to thank y'all that are sticking around and I'm not slowing up anytime soon. I'm going to be releasing episodes just as much as I usually do, regardless if there's zero listeners or 50. I'm here to stay. Box score sports, I ain't going nowhere. Let's start it off with your NFL recap. Going back to week nine of the NFL, definitely an interesting week. I think we learned a lot about a lot of teams, and we're actually at the midway point of the NFL season, so we'll be doing a quick kind of midseason review of the teams as well. Starting with your Thursday night game, Eagles-Texans. I did say the score of that game, 29-17. It did finish before I finished recording. 1 o'clock games. Let's start with (laughs) game of the week, baby. The Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Little itty-bitty Aaron Rodgers throwing his little tantrums because he's getting beat up by the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lion rookies played a fantastic game. You had two interceptions, three pass deflections, 10 total tackles by rookie out of Illinois, Carl Joseph, safety, and you also had an interception in the end zone by second overall pick Aiden Hutchinson, man. Detroit really played a good game, specifically on defense. Uh, Definitely very exciting. And we also saw that um, despite not having TJ Hawkinson, um, they didn't really skip a beat, you know, in terms of offense with tight ends, I should say. So, good for them there. Next up, you got Bills-Jets. Man, Jets pulled up a, 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 a sneaky win on this one because I, I don't think there were many people out there. If you weren't a Jets fan, you probably didn't think they were going to win this game, but here we are. Uh, really good performance out of the Jets' defense, honestly. It was got to be my biggest. I would say that's, that's definitely my biggest uh, thing here. You had an interception, Sauce Gardner. I mean, he's, in my opinion, Defensive Rookie of the Year by a long shot. Led the team in tackles and had a interception. 
Uh, dude's just playing fantastic football. He's been con- very consistent, um, and I think that uh, the Jets. I mean, they picked the very clear, you know, best player in the draft in their eyes, and it's proven nothing otherwise at this point. Next up, Chargers Falcons. I told y'all it's going to be a close game. Chargers up win by three, 2017. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm starting to think people are overhyping Justin Herbert. Like I'm genuinely starting to think that Justin Herbert is one of the most overhyped quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I'd love to have a conversation about what that that with y'all, but I really do think that he's overhyped. Simple as that. Dolphins Bears very close game 35-32 came down to the wire in the final quarter of the game and Justin Fields man great performance out of him he broke the single game record which was previously held by Michael Vick for rushing yards 178 as a quarterback with the touchdown as well averaging almost 12 yards a carry I mean, he ran for more yards than he did passing, and he had more completions than he did carries. So I definitely think that having a a 61-yarder he got was fantastic. Cole Komet with two touchdowns, Mooney with one as well. Uh, But it just wasn't enough. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, the duo of this this season, man. They're playing out of their minds. And Tua Tango-Viola with another fantastic game. Uh, I think that concussions may have made him better, and I'm – only joking, but I know that's probably not the best thing to joke about. Anyway, moving on to Bengals, Panthers. Pretty good performance out of Joe Burrow, but what you need to be talking about is Joe mixing it up. Five total touchdowns, 153 yards and four rushing touchdowns, plus 58 receiving and a receiving touchdown. Unbelievable performance out of this guy. Um, we've all seen these kind of things out of him, even back when he was at Oklahoma. We all knew he was capable of it, but he shows little flashes here and there. Looking at the Colts and the Patriots, 26-3 Patriots win. A really good defensive performance by the Patriots there. Not a huge offensive showing. Um, that defense definitely had a lot to do with it. Almost half of their points scored in field goals, definitely could use a little work on the offensive consistency, but at the end of the day, they got a good win by 23 points and can't complain about that one. Vikings-Washington, another very close game, 20-17 to as well. Um, pretty good performance by Washington here in terms of playing a team like Minnesota, who was 6-1 and going into this game. For them to be able to kind of, I wouldn't say shut down Minnesota, but definitely give them a hard time. We'll say that. We definitely gave them a hard time. And this was a close one for sure for Minnesota, but thanks to Justin Jefferson, 115 and a touchdown. Not to mention their new addition, TJ Hawkinson, with 70 yards receiving as well in his first game as a Viking. Pretty good performance. Jaguars-Raiders. Jaguars beat the Raiders. Man, the Raiders might be the biggest frauds in the NFL right now. I mean, the talent on their roster is unfair. Derek Carrs, I'd say he's an above-average quarterback in the NFL in terms of capability. Uh, we're not going to act like he played a bad game. 259, two touchdowns, 99 passer rating. That's a pretty good performance. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 67 yards. Devontae Adams, 146, two touchdowns. But it wasn't enough. But to have players like Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, and you're 2-6, and six? I mean, I know Waller's been in and out of injury, and I think he's going to be out for a while. Um, But still, I mean, you guys, come on. On the contrary, Travis Etienne, 
Jacksonville has made the right decision. 109 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a pretty consistent performance. Trevor Lawrence, 235, 109 passer rating out of him as well. Good performance by Jacksonville. Come out on top. Seahawks Cardinals told you all the Seahawks were going to win despite not being the favorites. Uh, they just have been playing consistent football lately, especially that man Geno Smith and his counterpart Kenneth Walker, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Good performance out of both guys there. Um, Kyler Murray played a lot better. No turnovers this game, but it was still... Well, no interceptions, I should say. He did have the fumble. Fumbled twice. Um, recovered once. But uh, James Conner, first game back off injury. Only had 45 yards rushing. Definitely um, need a better rushing attack there in Arizona. You have good receivers. Hopkins had that touchdown on the first drive. But that was about it from him, really. A couple other catches for nothing special, though. Rams, Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had a game-winning drive. Came down to the last minute. Tom Brady, I believe, scored with six seconds left on the clock to tight end Kate Otten. Pretty good um, clutch moment for a kid like that. Probably not a lot of people that knew of him in the first place at that point. Um, and I think we really need to start questioning what's going on with the Rams. Um, I know Stafford's going into concussion protocol, and you know there's definitely some injury thing there. But overall, this is just not the same team we saw from last year. Not to mention Cooper Cup, I mean the most probably the most consistent receiver in football the last two or three years, 127 yards and a touchdown. Uh, dude's just incredibly consistent. Chiefs Titans, very close Sunday night game here. Titans could not close it out. Chiefs took it over Patrick Mahomes, 446 yards, touchdown, interception, um, plus 63 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. Travis Kelsey being Travis Kelsey, 106 yards. Juju and Miko Hardman not far behind him in yards as well. Very consistent receiving there in the Chiefs. They're probably the most passing successful. I wouldn't say successful, but probably highest in yards and passing almost every week. Then you had your Monday night game, Baltimore and New Orleans. Um, Baltimore won by 14 points, 27 to 13. Um, and it was more so to Kenyon Drake, 93 yards, two touchdowns, very good performance out of him. Isaiah Likely, in the absence of Mark Andrews, who was out for injury, only one catch for 24 yards and a touchdown. But it was the defense that came to play. There you have it. Week 9 recap. Looking at your Week 10 preview for the NFL. Currently the third quarter of the Falcons-Panthers. Panthers are up 13-9. to Panthers had a touchdown on a, I believe it was a screen pass to LaVisca Chenault, and then the Falcons had a touchdown, short yard, short yardage touchdown pass to Drake London. Going into your Sunday games, you've got the Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. This is a great game here. You've got arguably some of the best teams in each conference. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game, and it's really going to come down to uh, defense. Uh, we both know the offenses are explosive, but which defense is going to make better decisions, make better stops? In this matchup, I think I'm going to have to go with the Bills. Lions and Bears. I think this one will actually be a pretty good game, but I do actually think the Bears will probably win this game. Um, Justin Fields is starting to play a little bit better lately, and it's it's starting to definitely have an effect on the outcome of the games that they're playing. We got the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. Pretty good game here, personally. T Tampa Bay is the favorite by a mile, 
But I think, once again, the Seahawks, as the underdog, surprisingly with two more wins than Tampa, still the underdog by a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Seahawks here. They've given me no reason to think otherwise. They've just been playing really consistent. So, simple as that, Seahawks. Buck, not Bucks, Broncos and the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'm not going to put a whole lot of thought into this one. I really do think that Tennessee is going to win this game, and I think they're going to win by at least two scores. Jacksonville, Kansas City, I don't think there's much thought in this one. Kansas City is going to win by at least, um, i say 18 to 21 points. They're just going to significantly better. The Browns and the Miami Dolphins, I think this will actually be a good game. It will be pretty close, but I'm going to have to take um, Cleveland here on top. Texans and Giants. Giants took their first loss last week in quite a while. Um, but oh, Not last week. They were on a bye week. The week, the week before that, um, and they lost that game, then went into a bye week, had time to make adjustments. I think they're going to come back and do really well and succeed against the Texans. Saints-Steelers. I think that this matchup is going to be quite interesting. Um, really no genuine talent on either roster that's significantly better than the other. But I'm going to have to take the Saints here. I think that their offensive weapons are actually performing a lot better than the Steelers' weapons this year. Yeah, Colts and Raiders. Looking at the rosters, man, this one's a tough one in my opinion. You've got a healthy Jonathan Taylor as far as we're concerned. We'll see how, how much of an effect that has. Um, but you've also got to consider the fact that Vegas is missing Darren Waller. You know, it, what's really going to happen here? That's fucking, man, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to give the edge to Las Vegas. Cowboys, Packers, oh, man. Dallas is gonna whoop them, whoop them Packers, whoop the cheese. So we we gonna see, but I just think the Dallas defense, man, their defense is playing lights out this season. I definitely can't help but rely on them. Cardinals Rams interdivisional matchup. This one should be pretty interesting. They're very similar in terms of productivity, um, but I I think I'm gonna give the edge to the Cardinals. I think their defense has actually been starting to play a lot better these recent games. Um, and despite not their not having the best record, um, I think that their defense is going to have an effect on the fact that Stafford might not even be playing in this game anyway. Um, so we're going to definitely be looking at an interesting performance there. San Francisco, L.A. Chargers, you've got Debo Samuel back off injury. Um, definitely think that that's going to have a huge effect on this game. And as I was saying earlier, I do think that Herbert is kind of overrated right now and um, got a lot of weird injuries and back-and-forth stuff going on in his uh, receiving core. So I'm going to have to give the edge to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night. And then going into your Monday night game, 8-0 Eagles, 4-5 Washington Commanders, NFC East matchup. I'm going to give it to Philly. It's just very difficult not to. They are the best team in the NFL right now. Simple as that. Week 10, there you have it. Simple as that, you guys. Let's go ahead and take a look at the outcome of the World Series. You did have the Houston Astros defeat the Philadelphia Phillies in six. A um, couple very interesting things to look back on for the World Series. You had Houston throw the first ever combined no-hitter in World Series history. 
Oh, we just had a touchdown. Deontay Foreman rushing touchdown for the Carolina Panthers. Just to keep you guys updated on the game, if you're not, uh, if you didn't watch it, that'll give you a better update. So it's now 19 to nine, Carolina Panthers over Atlanta. All right, back to the World Series. So yeah, you had the world, you had the the World Series record broke. Most uh, first ever combined no hitter by the Houston Astros. Definitely a fantastic performance by them. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies tied the World Series record with five home runs in Game Three, and which is the the game they won seven to zero. Um, not to mention Phillies were the second team in World Series history to go the entire game without recording any hits, which is that uh, combined no hitter game as well. Um, in case you were wondering, good performance here. Philly definitely showed a lot of a grit and a. I don't. I won't say that they won't belong. It's just that Houston, in my opinion, for weeks on weeks, was just unanimously the best team in the MLB, and they proved it in this postseason. And I do think that this goes a long way. And actually, a lot of people, you got to kind of reconsider as to whether or not how much did they really cheat back then. I understand they were cheating. I'm not going to give them any kind of slack on that. But what you have to understand is, if you're reading pitches, you still got to hit the ball. You know, so um, say what you want, but they came back just a couple years later and took another one, and they did it the right way. So uh, pretty big shush to the haters. I'm not saying I'm a fan. I just think that it's a it's a really good way to remind people that it wasn't the cheating that won them that World Series. All right, before we jump into the college football recap and preview, just some quick stories in the NFL we wanted to go over before we jump into that. Uh, the Colts have fired Frank Reich and hired six-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman Jeff Saturday. Played for the Colts back in the Peyton Manning era. And this is a very interesting hire because Jeff Saturday is a guy that doesn't have any professional or college coaching experience. Uh, really, his only coaching experience comes from Hebron Christian Academy, which was a high school. Um, and even there, his record was poor. As, as the coach at the at the school there. So um, I don't know how I feel about this one. He's been named as the interim coach, so it's probably just to kind of finish out the season that they know that they're kind of destined for failure at this point for the season. Um, but they're probably looking for the future, and they're going to take some time to make sure they find the right coach. I don't really know, but Frank Reich was not the guy. Personal opinion, horrible decision-making out of him. Cost them a lot of games. Xavier McKinney, safety for the Giants, interesting injury. Uh, he actually posted something on Twitter saying, During our bye week, I went away to Cabo. While there, I joined a group for guided sightseeing tour on ATVs. Unfortunately, I had an accident and injured my hand. The injury will keep me sidelined for a few weeks. I will do everything I can to get back as quickly as possible so I can contribute to what we're building here in New York. X. Um very interesting way uh, injury way to get injured here and I do think that uh, what happened here is going to definitely have an effect on how teams kind of treat bye weeks I think that teams sometimes tend to be a little too lenient with bye weeks and that um, we're now kind of to a point where you look at something like this it, ha it only happens if the uh, I almost feel like in, in a way that you got to feel like ownership almost feels like they, they could potentially be responsible, you know? Like, really do the math. 
because they weren't more disciplinary on holding him in and making sure that he was only doing so much on his bye week and he was limited to certain activities and potentially even practice and checking in at the facilities, he went got hurt and now he's out for a few weeks. So um, I think that this could spark an interesting, um, I wouldn't say movement or anything, but like I do think that this will have an effect on the bye weeks and how they're handled from here on out. Now this here is actually one of the more interesting stories I've heard in quite a while. The Washington D Street DC Attorney General stick with me here is suing Commander's owner Dan Snyder, the Washington Commanders in general, Roger Goodell, and the NFL. For colluding to deceive district residents, the heart of the commander's fan base, about an investigation into toxic workplace culture. The attorney general quote, uh, replied to his own tweet a few more times saying, After public reporting revealed that sexual misconduct, harassment, and misogyny ran rampant for decades at the team, the defendants promised D.C. residents that the league was going to fix this toxic culture including by fully cooperating with an independent investigation. That was all a lie. Instead, the NFL turned a blind eye to Snyder's extensive efforts for, to silence or intimidate witnesses, and the NFL and commanders entered into a secret agreement that gave Snyder power to veto and release any of results. With today's lawsuit, we're standing up for D.C. residents who were lied to and deceived. And we're standing with the brave victims and employees of the team who told us the truth during our investigation and came forward about what they suffered and witnessed while working. Because these actions largely took place outside of the district, we do not have jurisdiction to specifically file suit regarding the workplace harassment and misconduct. By suing today, we are using every enforcement tool at our disposal to hold the commanders, Dan Snyder, the NFL, and Roger Goodell accountable. Wow. You know, that's just not something that you wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm going to read the I'm going to read that the attorney general tweeted out that he's suing the Washington commanders and their owner and Roger Goodell and the NFL in general. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like, what do you really say to that? <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot to take in. But we may be seeing something really change here. And to wrap up uh, some NFL stuff, I just wanted to, to kind of ask y'all, a, I wouldn't say a rhetorical question, but something that I want y'all to kind of ponder for a bit um, and really think, like, is this the most one of the most injury-prone seasons we've seen in the NFL? Like, really really do the math about how many players have been injured in the last few weeks and look at the the effect of those injuries and really think, how many seasons in the NFL can you say you've seen this many injuries? And I think the consistency of the injuries, you know, and it's all small stuff. And it's like the NFL, yeah, they're trying their best to do what they can to make it a, a safe environment for these players, you know. But I think one of those things that they need to look into and that they're not even trying to make safe is the, the turf versus grass debate. I think it needs to be taken a lot more seriously. Just this last weekend at that Packers-Lions game, you had Rashawn Gary get hurt for quite a while, and his teammate Devondre Campbell tweeted and said, this is two weeks in a row we've had players get injured on turf fields. 
I think it's time y'all take some of the money y'all make off us and invest in grass fields for every team around the league. The turf is literally like concrete. It has no give when you plant and tagged the NFL. Um, I'm starting to agree because I don't know how you can't. And you look at it from this perspective. NFL players are out there every week playing football. If there's anybody who would know how hard it is to play on turf, it's those guys. They do it every week, every year. It, they make careers out of it. you got to understand that. If somebody tried to walk into your job and tell you that you don't know what you're talking about while you worked there for t 10 years, you'd think they're pretty crazy and they would be unfair, right? Exactly. So how would you feel if you worked in an incredibly an unsafe work environment? Right. Let's say the. Let's just say there were a lot of fire hazards in the in the work building that you worked in. Right. And it didn't matter how many times your boss knew about it. You told your boss about it. He just kind of turned his shoulder, kept moving, didn't care how many people were getting hurt and burned and killed by fires. Um, obviously, that's a little extreme, but. At the end of the day, man, like I've had this discussion before where these players make the, they, they, it's their life. The sport is their life. They wake up and go to bed football. And for them to be really risking their injury, you know, risking their physical health every day they go out here on this field, the NFL needs to at least bare minimum make it as safe as possible for them. And I think it's really unacceptable that they're not even trying to acknowledge it. Because it's been weeks that players have been trying to reach out to them and discuss this. So I really do think that something needs to be done and it needs to be taken more serious and it needs to be immediate. Simple as that. All right. So we're going to go ahead and look at a week 10 recap for the college football. This was a very good week here. Looking at some of your bit better matchups. You had unranked Washington beat Oregon State 24-21. Uh, Oregon State has fallen off the map real quick. Big Ten matchup. This game was a lot closer than it should have been. Northwestern 7, Ohio State 21. Scary game for Ohio State there. Number 1, Tennessee Vols. Number 3, Georgia Bulldogs. I think this was probably the most short-lived number one team in college football. Uh, it really was not a great performance. They just, to be completely honest, they just didn't come to play. Uh, Georgia was ready for that game from when they woke up that morning and Tennessee was still two, two, three days behind and they just weren't ready for that kind of game. Simple as that. Alabama, LSU. How about them Tigers? They defeated Alabama 32-31. to Stunned it with a gutsy two-point conversion, which was caught and won them the game. You got to understand, they would have lost the game if they didn't score, so or they didn't convert on the two points. So I, I genuinely do think that, man, I mean, this, this was a, a, a great performance by LSU and Alabama, man. Is this the end of Alabama? Are we, are we finally seeing the, the, the end of the rain here, obviously that's a little dramatic, and it's Nick Saban, so it's not going to happen, but like, look at the Patriots, you know, you don't see them going to the Super Bowl every year anymore, so, I don't know, that's all I'm going to say. Texas and Kansas State, 
is unfortunate one here. He had a really good quarterback in Kansas State and Adrian Martinez, not to mention a really good running back as well, Deuce Vaughn. But it just looks like Texas, man, that, that rushing performance by B. John Robinson, that man is out of his mind. It was 209 yards and a rushing touchdown. That alone probably had a huge impact on the game. Quinn Ewers played pretty well as well. Notre Dame unranked, beating Clemson, who was pre- previously the number four ranked team in the country, 35-14. to And Dabo even said in the press conference after the game, we earned this loss tonight. Clearly very upset with his team. They did not show up. They were not ready to play. And it just seems that the rushing attack for Notre Dame and their defense really just were the difference makers there. NC State Wake Forest came down to a two-score game, 30-21. to NC State wins. Good game there. There you have it, Week 10. Let's jump into Week 11. Let's look at some previews here um, and get an idea as to what we could be looking for in terms of good games. First up, we've got Alabama and Ole Miss. I genuinely think this will be a great game. It's always a pretty good rivalry between these two SEC West clash. Uh, honestly, there's really no telling. Part of you want to say Alabama, but you just never know. Pretty disappointing performance out of them this season in terms of what we would know them to perform, or know them to, the level we would know them to perform on, I should, is what I'm trying to say. But it is Bryce Young, Heisman candidate, top five draft pick. We shall see how it goes. Next up, you've got UCF and Tulane. Tulane's been playing really good lately. Um, Ranked team that's been climbing the ranks, defeating teams left and right. Should be a pretty good game out of them. Washington, who is now in the top 25 after defeating Oregon State last week with Michael Penix Jr. And then you have the Oregon Ducks. They're going up against Bo Nix and his star running back, Bucky Irvin. TCU in Texas. TCU is one of the only undefeated teams left in the nation. Uh, Definitely should be a good game here, but TCU is definitely going to win that one. No questions asked. There you have it. Week 11 preview for your college football. Real quick, I want to go over some of the rankings here that have officially come out. Your top four, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. The only undefeated teams left in the country. Tennessee dropped from one to five. Alabama dropped all the way down to number nine. Clemson dropped from four to ten. You've got Oregon, LSU, USC as six, seven, and eight to round out your top ten in the college football playoff standings. You had Notre Dame jump from unranked to 20 after defeating number four Clemson. As I mentioned, Washington's now in the top 25 after taking down their opponents last week. I don't know how I feel, you know. Part of me thinks that Michigan should be above Ohio State, and it's not because of the rivalry. It really isn't. It's solely for the fact that you look at the games that Michigan has played and you look at Ohio State. Ohio State's had a couple scary performances. A couple games that were really close for a minute there. And it was another one this week. Michigan hasn't put themselves in that situation. Closest game Michigan has had was 29-7. So I just don't really see how Ohio State is better than Michigan. 
You know, I, I can't really sit here and be like, yeah, they're better because this. I, I, there is nothing for me that we have a better rushing. They, they definitely have better passing, no doubt in the world. But our defense is better. And we've given up less points and we've scored more points. I, I just really don't know. It's There's more, probably more to it. But in my opinion, Michigan beats them out for number two. All right. Let's go over Kyrie Irving and his situation with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, last week on November 3rd, there was a statement that was released from the Brooklyn Nets about Kyrie to the press saying, over the last several days, we have made repeated attempts to work with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm and danger of his words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate. We believe that taking the path of education in this challenging situation would be the right one and thought that we had made progress with our joint commitment to eradicating hate and intolerance. We were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say that he has no anti-Semitic beliefs, nor acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity but clarify, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing and against is against the values of our organization and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets, and we have decided that Kyrie will serve a suspension, which at the time was set for five games. Their demands have since been raised to... he want They want him to apologize and condemn the movie, donate $500,000 to an anti-hate cause... They want him to take sensitivity and anti-Semitic training, meet with ADL and Jewish leaders, meet with owner Joe Tsai to demonstrate understanding. Is all of that really necessary? Let's really go over something here. Previously, I discussed in an episode how I felt that the media needs to be Almost, almost like reviewed and looked over because of the weird questions and the way they word their questions when dis when talking to these athletes, treating them like they're just entertainment pieces and not people. You look at what the reporter was asking him the other day. All he did was post something on his story about the film. He did not promote it. He did not publicize it. It's just social media. People take things way too seriously. And the fact that people are assuming that Kyrie posting it means that he's anti-Semitic and he believes in anti-Semitic things is just a stretch. I think that people are just trying to find stuff to to throw on him and throw against him. And I just don't think that's fair. Because I don't think that really Kyrie has really done anything to deserve that. He's been a very good person. You know, and even just some examples of what he does for the community around him. He's donated $323,000 to Feeding America. He's partnered with City Harvest to ensure that 250,000 meals were distributed to New Yorkers. He's partnered with Nike to donate 17 pallets of food and masks to the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe committed $1.5 million to help pay WNBA players who opted out of the 2020 season, 
paid off the college tuition of nine HBU student, HBCU students from Lincoln University and purchased a house for the family of George Floyd, according to the former NBA player Stephen Jackson. Now, does somebody who goes out of their way to do things like that sound like someone who would believe in anti-Semitic ways? I mean, genuinely, let's really sit here and do the math. And you, if you ever listen to Kyrie talk, you ever listen to him talk about the things he believes in and the things that he takes seriously, and Kyrie's a very educated person. And I think it's just really unfair to put these things against him the way that a lot of people do. Um, and this one, I think, it's genuinely, I really do just think it's a reach. I think that the media was doing everything in their power to try and um, get something, get a story out of him when in all reality that's just inappropriate. Um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's 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 necessary really at all. It, it's just kind of shameful in all honesty. On Tuesday, the I think seventh, uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and Kyrie had met that morning, um, and the sides had a productive understanding. Productive and understanding visit, paving the way for Nets and their suspended star to work through his steps for a potential path forward. Um, so they definitely, it sounds like from the sound of things, just from the media outlet, that uh, the conversations with Adam Silver and Kyrie went well. They were able to, to agree on a lot of things. And um, that's where I think a lot of people fail to kind of realize a lot of the shit that gets thrown at these athletes. You got to understand, man, the, the, the stress that these athletes got to go through. There's a camera on them at every minute of every day. I mean, can we all really sit here and admit that we're just we're perfect? That if we had cameras on us all day long, that we wouldn't make any mistakes and get called out for? You know what I mean? Like you got to understand, we're we're holding these players to standards that are just unrealistic, in my opinion. Um, and it really is one of the major reasons that I got I got into broadcasting and I want to get into the media world because I'm sick and tired of the image that a lot of media has on athletes and sports because they just mistreat players and I think it's just not fair. Speaking of the Nets, they also actually have moved on from Ime Udoka, the Celtics coach who suspended and actually signed Jack Vaughn. Really interesting uh, press conference from Vaughn. Um, quote saying, I guess I was the write-in candidate in the minds of the election right now, but I'm okay with that. I said to my wife, I might not have been her first choice. I might not have been her first choice, and we've been together 20 years, so it can all work out. So off we go. Um, are you good, dude? Because, like, what are you talking about? He essentially knew that he wasn't the first option, but, like, is there some stuff going on at home you need to take care of? Because it sounds like, you know what I mean, you're not really in the mood to be a coach. I don't know. Sounds emotional. I don't know if he was all joking and I just didn't catch that side of things, but I guess we'll see. It's a little bit weird to me. That's all I'm going to say. It's just a little bit weird to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is for this week's fast break. Here we go. Tom Brady has officially become the first NFL quarterback in history to reach 100,000 career passing yards between the regular season and playoffs. Goat talk. Not to mention, Tom Brady has also passed Peyton Manning for the most game-winning drives since 1970 with 55. 
including his last one this last weekend. The only players to have these totals so far this season, 200-plus points, 50-plus rebounds, 50-plus assists so far in the season. This was last week. You've got, of course, Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic, Pascal Siakam, and Detroit's own Cade Cunningham. I'm telling y'all, he's going to be special. November 4th was a rough day for the city of Philadelphia. Not only did you have the Phillies lose the World Series that day, but you also had the Philadelphia Union MLS team lose in the MLS Cup Final. Definitely a hurtful one there and something that you would not hope for, but it's okay, Philly fans. You've still got the Eagles going 8-0. and Alexander Ovechkin. Incredible feat from him here. He's past Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe for the all-time record goals scored with one franchise, reaching 787 goals. Absolutely unbelievable achievement there. To beat Gordie Howe at anything is just a miraculous achievement. Good for Mr. Ovechkin. Big fan of his. I've always wished for his success. Very awesome to see this. All right, you guys. There you have it. Plain and simple. For this week's Fast Break and the 50th episode of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Again, like I said earlier in the episode, I'm very grateful you get, for those of you that stick around and give us a listen. It's really appreciated and it goes a long way. Overall, I'm really proud of where we've come. I'm really proud of how far we've made it and how far we are to go. I will see you guys next week for episode 51 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Peace out. Uh, took my baby to the highest high.